Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Guys in a Comic. And even though we're called Four Guys, there's not four of us today. It's only me and the Red Skull. And if you don't know who I am, uh, you obviously recognize him from his laugh and all the Hydra mess and everything yeah. that he gets himself into. But if you don't recognize my name, I am Rusty Surfer, a.k.a. Alex, um, or vice versa. Most of y'all know me as Rusty Surfer, but my real name is Alex, and that's Michael yeah. or Red Skull. I don't know if I should give away his real name. That's fine. But, uh, just call me Michael. Yeah, there we go. It's uh, it's may not may or may not be his real name, right? <laughs> that's for me to know. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, um, Nova is out on business for like the fourth week in a row. He's got fancy pants Canadian job that sends him all over. And secretly, I wish I had his job, but uh, that's okay. And then uh, Tap had to deal with some uh, family. I think it's his father-in-law's birthday, something along that lines. But something like that. But you're you're, you're with with uh, the two of us, you know. You're in good yeah. hands. You're good, great hands this week because you know what? We're gonna s- switch it up, and instead of doing our typical roundtable stuff, we're gonna do something that we haven't done in a while. I think that ain't that right, a Alex? Long while. It's been a whole minute. But hopefully, some of you uh, longer uh, term fans uh, remember this segment. So um, I guess I should go ahead and uh, announce it. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Okay. Do it. So, here is our musical cue. If you don't recognize the music right now, we are going back in time, and we are pulling out a pulling ads. And if you don't know what pulling ads is, then you are in for a treat. Because pulling ads is where me and the Red Skull here go through our personal comic collection. That's right. Physical comics. Yes. You can smell them. We can open them. You can... Smell of comics in the morning. Yeah, it's here. They're right in our hand right now. And um, what we do is we go through these comics and we pull out some of our favorite advertisements from it. And we talk about them a little bit. Um, You know, we in the past we've done, uh, I think 90s comics is like our favorite thing to do uh, ads with. But um, I don't know what yours are, but all of mine are going to be from the 19... All of yours are bronze. Mine's oh no! 1950s. Oh no! No, I'm sorry. I thought you said my favorites. Some of my favorites are Bronze Age, but today, no, I've got, uh, I got Silver Age, and I've got Current Age. Uh oh. And I've got See, current, got... current, current age, like last week's Current Age. Okay, that's you don't see many. Um... When you see advertisements in comics nowadays, I, I mostly think Marvel, where it's just like, buy this new kid's toy or mm-hmm. this that we putting out or whatever. You're not getting your things anymore where it's like, hey, puny man, do you want to get bigger? You know what I mean? You're not yeah. seeing the stuff like that anymore or your little uh, classified section, basically. Actually, I did see one of those types of ads last week, believe it or not. No joke. No joke. But... Uh, Actually, we'll circle back to that. We'll get back to that a little bit later. Okay. Okay. Well, all of my advertisements today are Golden Age, actually. So that should be... I know, right? I got a... uh, Fancy pants over here. What can I say? Uh, You know, I like my horror comics, and I found a Black Cat Mystery uh, trade, which is uh, Volume 2, Issues 35 through 39. No, that doesn't seem right. It's not 35 through 39. There's way more issues than that in this. Anyways, um, there's a bunch of comics in this. And um, they're all from 1952 mm-hmm. to 53, maybe some 54. Cool. And um, 
Do you want to start this off, or do you want me to start it off with my first Golden Age one? Start with the Golden Age. Let's go with the, the Golden Oldie first. Okay, so we're going to start this off with a banger, okay? Like, I don't even know why this was a thing, and what parents thought when their kids asked them to buy this for them, okay? And um, I think it's kind of controversial, especially in the time, 1952, okay? If you think about it, we just, not even a few years prior, got done with World War II. We're okay? in Korea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, Nazis are still not our friend at all, uh, even though we got we showed them what for. And, uh, you know, we did our thing to Japan. Sorry, Japan. Um, but, okay. So, very first page in this on issue... Black Cat Mysteries, issue 35, May of 1952, okay? Um, you open to the very front page inside the cover, and in big letters at the top, you see free 10 Hitler stamps. Wait, and you're like, what? Are these original yeah. stamps, or are these reproductions? Original stamps, and they're all German. Like, even on the top of the cross, it says uh, Deutsches Reich. And Whoa. Like, Whoa. 3k 4k 5k 6k 8k whatever the hell these do you know what these mean like what do the little numbers mean like even there's like 120 150 250 80 50 i don't know i'm not what a stamp collector so i don't know what that refers to i'm sure somebody yeah. listening does holy yeah, smokes out there. free hitler stamps from germany yeah 10 free hitler stamps wow. and 10 it says 10 scarce stamps all different sent free <laughs> To secure names for our mailing list. Please mail to so the SS. Get out. Make Please send to, um, uh, it's not, um, uh, it's a uh, Dolfo Hitlardo in, uh, Argentina. <laughs> oh my God. Mailing address. Yeah, but uh, no, uh, 10 scarce stamps, all different, sent free to secure names to our mailing list. Also free, you get a little thing saying how to collect postage stamps. Mm-hmm. So you'll learn a little bit about it. The thing is, like I was saying, what do you... Okay, say you were here in 1952 and you had your kids or whatever, right? You just you got back from the war or whatever and, you know, you were involved in it. And your kids come up to you and they're like, Dad, Dad, I want to get these free Hitler stamps. What does this depend on the father? You know, is he uh, is he one of those redneck, you know, KKK clan people, or just like, uh, yeah, well, son, I'm proud of you today. Yes, let's get you your Hitler stamps. Or is it gonna be the the all American fathers like, son, what do you think you're doing? Give me that comic, (laughs) and it goes in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why it's so hard to find these dang black comics. (laughs) Really? Oh my. No, I gotta ask. What what is the picture on the stamp? Is it is it uh, the main fear himself? It is. It's just like a portrait of him looking to the side with his, like, look at, you can tell he's, like, looking up into the distance or whatever. Um, and uh, what's weird is not every picture is the same. Like, some of them are the same, but some of them he's moved, like, slightly. Like, you can tell, like, his mouth has changed a little bit or something. Mm. So, I don't know. And then some of them are larger than the others. Like, a few are, like, bigger, like, in size. And how much? But, uh, how much does the stamp say that it's on there? How many Deutsch? Does like 15 Deutsch, 3 Deutsch? Well, that's what I was asking. In the little corner, it says like 3K, 4K, 5K, 6K, 8K, 50K, 80K, 
120, 150, and 250. Hmm. So I don't know. It doesn't actually say. That's the only number that's on the stamp. Interesting. I don't know what it means. Okay. The K refers to um, that it's uh, from the Czech Republic. And I just hmm. found these stamps. They're averaging one stamp is about $5 on eBay. Really? Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yes. So there you go. So you would that. think that they would probably go for more. I know they were giving them away free in this, but you got to think about it. This is like 1952, like I yeah. said. And you would think that a lot of these people would probably destroy this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. But hey, bait? you can still buy them know. on eBay. Oof. You can still why? buy them on eBay. That, that should be banned. It, I'm sorry, that should be banned on eBay. Those types of things. You think so? I I do. I do. Well, they, people get in trouble nowadays for selling like Nazi memorabilia and stuff. Mm -hmm. But these are original like, st uh, Czech stamps from, yeah. with Hitler on it. It's like, come on. Yeah. So, and the fact that this was in an American comic. Yeah. That even that's even weirder. Mm-hmm. So no. wait, but it says they they were based out of St. Louis. Hmm. Huh. Maybe some guy like went over there, you know, was in the war and brought all these things back as like uh you know memorabilia. Yeah, thought he could make a fortune on it, realized he can't. <laughs> but I'm sure there's a catch to it or something where you mail away, you get your ten free stamps. That was that was probably the catch. It's like, oh, they're Hitler. They might be collectibles. They might these will go up in value because, you know, you know, we defeated Hitler in World War II type of thing and get your 10 free stamps and the catches. You get the uh, the book on how to collect and you get in, in the, you get into that thing the where, mailer. oh, I want to buy more. And, you know, and you get all sorts of stuff mailed to you and sent to you and they try to draw you in that way. Yeah, I imagine so. It even says in the, like the little advertisement for this that um, the things are limited. You can only one order one set per person. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, they're telling like little stories in here how uh, it contains fascinating and true, st like the little book or whatever, um, contains fascinating and true stories, um, such as the one about the one cent stamp, which a schoolboy gladly sold for a dollar fifty, and which was later bought for forty thousand mm dollars. -hmm. This ain't no forty thousand dollar stamp, kid. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Now we know. Like, what is it? Uh, 60 something years later here and it's uh $5 on eBay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I guess that's a from free to $5 you made mm -hmm. money. Yeah. yeah. You wanted to hold on to it for uh 60 plus years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but you know what that that may let you think right there because you saw it on eBay someone actually did it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they're disappointed now. Oh well. Oh well. Anyways, what's your uh, your first comic? All right, so moving on over to Silver Age, I have Volume 1, Wonder Woman, issue number 155. And this came out July of 1965. Oh, and cool. in here is an ad for Make Silly Putty Stretch Pictures. Pick up comic characters and stretch them until they're goofy. Um, did you ever play with Silly Putty? Yeah, actually I did. My favorite thing to do with Silly Putty is whenever you get like the... Uh, newspaper and mm -hmm. you put it on there and it'll like make the little yeah print on the newspaper or whatever same the putty same thing but yeah no i i would never do it with newspapers i had to do it to my comics <laughs> i was always worried like a certain because i did it to like 
there's certain things that I would do, so certain things I wouldn't want to do it because I was always, I don't know, it's just, it's putty and you're putting it on mm -hmm. things. And even as a little kid, I was still protective of my things. And just, besides the comics, I've already told you my story yeah. about how I ruined yeah. all my comic books, but. But yeah, yeah. that's what I would do. I get my silly putty, get that, you know, the, how it came in the little egg and everything. You take it and you would just put it on the comic and take your favorite hero and got the picture on it and you stretch it all out and make the, make it look funky. Well, that's pretty much what they're advertising in this ad. And I saw that and just took me back to my childhood to, you know, putting them all my comics. And I, I can't remember if it really destroyed the comics at all or not. I don't remember it really doing that other than just taking some of the ink off of it. But got to wonder after all these years what those comics look like now in those marked areas. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a uh, CGC label out there for it somewhere. Yeah, really. Gotta... <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to ask Matt next time we talk to him. Is there is there a code for silly putty marks? <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, so wait, what year was this comic from? This was from 1965. Silly putty. How old is silly putty? Came out in 1942. And it was actually almost uh, uh, stopped being made because of the rations on silicone, which is one of the main ingredients that's mm -hmm. used for it. But during the war, during World War II, uh, there was a uh, and to the Korea War, there was a restrictions placed on the silicone because they needed it for the war effort. So silicone almost went away, but they were able to stretch, <laughs> pardon the pun, for the duration of the band and make it through that. And since then, it's been used for a lot of cool things. For instance, uh, the Apollo astronauts, when they went into space, they used silly putty to actually attach things for them so, that, so they wouldn't float away. You know, they'd take a pen or whatever tools they're using and use silly putty to attach it to the bulkhead and put their instrument on it so it'll be there without floating away from them. And I think one of the other cool things silly putty was used for in uh, research, it can actually. Um, measure the distance of imprints of spiders and ants and things on the silly putty. That's cool. Yeah, so it can measure out footprints of bugs. I did not know that. Yeah. And something you always want to try to do is, you know, like some of us did it when we were kids, you know, let them walk across, then you get magnifying glasses out and say, oh my gosh, look at this. How far is that? And, you know, just to be stupid and fun. But right. uh, they actually used it in uh in scientific research for that reason so yeah That's silly putty's cool. silly putty's been around has done quite a quite a few cool things sounds dope to me i mean yeah. uh you know i loved playing with uh, silly putty when i was a kid though. yeah like i said you know just doing that i also loved that you could bounce it off of anything mm -hmm. uh one of my favorite things also to do with it was i would take like a little um uh call it a little army man you know, like the little green, yeah, uh, the little green ones. Everyone had a set, yeah, of course. and um, I would like kind of form like a little pieces of it around the army man, mm -hmm. and then I'd throw the army man, and it like bounce off things. And I'm just like, this is so cool. <laughs> oh, that is fun. That sounds like yeah. Fun. Set it up in the uh, the the like you know set up my little recreation of like war games or whatever with yeah. the army people. And I have my silly putty man, and it's like you cannot hurt him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Yeah, what well, cool. kid didn't have army men and just stuff like that? And if you didn't have army men, I knew a few comic book ads where you can order away for them. <laughs> right? <laughs> Huge sets of them, too. Yes, exactly. Oh, so what is oh. your next uh, ad that you have for us today? Okay, so I kind of got a funny one here. Um, okay, so you know how um, we were just talking about uh, Nazi stamps or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so moving on from Nazi stamps. This is also in a Black Cat uh, mystery comic, right? Mm -hmm. um, they have an advertisement here for uh, some comics I'm surprised you don't collect, okay? Um, but uh, have you ever heard of comic book series called War is Hell? It sounds very familiar. War is Hell, Warfront, and then War Battles. And um, it's basically like grim true tales of fighting men in during World War II mm -hmm. and stuff and things that they would see. And um, they're supposed to be pretty gruesome, uh, you know, uh, just because obviously it was gruesome war. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm surprised you've never heard of this before because I know you like war comics. Yeah. I d I, you know what? If it's the one that I'm thinking about. No, you said this is 1956? 1952. 52. Because I remember the, a 70s series for War as Hell, but I just, I'm having problems placing one from the 50s. But, uh, yeah, it's in this comic. And uh, these are all from the 1950s. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess there was one back then, too. Maybe it was a little less known. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But, yeah, I mean, it's something for you to look into. And then uh, right above it, it it's kind of funny because it's a split page ad. Uh, right, above, right above it, for $1.39, you can take secret pictures with your tiny midget camera. Oh, that's cool. Fits in the palm of your hand. Ooh. Even a child can use it. Takes dandy and clear pictures. Nice. Yep. It's only two by three inches. That's tiny. Yeah, that is. Wait, so does it actually take... There's no way that that actually takes photos. Also, Kodak color pictures. Wow. No way. And it's $1.39? Huh. I don't believe this. I think they're bullshitting us. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't sound right. It you sounds too good to be Wait true. a minute. They didn't have color Kodak film back in 1952. I'm kind of confused now. Yeah, some, that ain't right, brother. Hold on. Where's the front of this page right here? Let me see this. Let me find the cover Yeah. of this comic. It says September 1952. That is odd. Yeah, it says Black Cat Mystery Comics, September 1952, Volume 1, Number 39. Huh. Alright. Okay, we need to do some research here. I'm kind of confused now. Yeah, so that, that, I'm confused too. Alright, so if anybody out there is familiar with... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Jumbo, 2x3 and large photos from standard... I'm on eBay, and I cannot find anything for War as Hell before 1970. What is going on? Maybe they reprinted these. That Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're reprinted issues. Maybe. And then with the advertisements from mm -hmm. the reprints. Yeah. That would make sense. That because, would make a lot. Okay. Because War of Hell series started in 1973. That's weird. I don't remember them ever making re. Okay, this is opening up like a whole new can of worms. Yeah. We got like conspiracy theory kind of stuff going on here. Did they really? Hmm. What year was There's that? more to look in this. Yes. All right. So. All right. We'll move on to mine while you're while, while you're researching that. 
Um, okay. So the next, I have a more of a current age one here coming to us from 1992. All right. Uh, Valiant. Uh, Solar Man of the Atom, issue number 12. Now, when you get... Very nice. Yeah, especially like in the... You know, when you think of uh, independent comics, you really don't you think of the ads too much because most of them are just straight story, very little ads. But this mm-hmm. one, on the back cover, it had an ad that just made me actually think of you, Alex. Here it is for Super Nintendo, Super WrestleMania. Yes, Did it's you, actually a pretty cool game. So I, was, I had a feeling you'd play that. You know, got the Hulk Hogan on the cover of that, and you know they got the picture with uh, Jake the Snake. And I just yes. I had a chuckle because you know we did a little interview and we've had a little promo spot with him on uh, Four Guys in a Comic Talk and Shop, and you know it has like uh, some of these other c- characters in here. And I'll be honest, I don't recognize really anybody. And I probably should because I've seen these pictures around for years, but not being a wrestling person, I just don't know who they are. So I mean, you probably, if I hold this up to the camera, you probably recognize who that guy is. I know Macho I've, Man. Macho Man. Okay. And let's see. The, these guys, this 1990s studded. Oh, that's um the uh, Legion of Doom. Legion of Doom. It's um Hawk and Animal. All right. Is that it? Yeah, it looks yeah. Like okay. It. okay. No, I'll say this: the Royal Rumble was a way better game. But, oh, was it? Uh, yeah, the Royal Rumble was a way better game than that one. But I mean, it's uh, it's still cool that you found that. Like seriously, yeah. and if you've never uh, got a chance to play um, a wrestling game on the Super Nintendo, uh, I wouldn't actually suggest um, uh, a WWE game or WWF mm-hmm. game. I would actually there's a game called like I think it's Fire Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. and it's a it's supposed to be fantastic. It's like supposed to be what every wrestling game is basically based after, like the for the original, you know, yeah, the game that started it all for wrestling games that made it like mainstream and everyone wanted to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, that's cool. Yeah, I, it was. that seems like something right up my alley. It does. Like I said, I saw that. I was like, oh my god, that's Alex right there. I got to bring that up the next time we do a poll on ads. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, do you have any honorable mentions? I do have some honorable mentions. I never figured out our situation with our, uh, our, uh, advertisement with the timeline and everything, because other advertisement, Hitler advertisement, even says at the bottom, uh, May 1952. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, I can't figure this one out. Um, uh, but, I do have an honorable mention. Um, do you have any, uh foot itches not at the moment uh no 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 okay well uh then you may not need this because there's a whole full page advertisement in issue number 37 of black cat mysteries the very back page where it says foot itch athlete's foot disease often misunderstood and it's yeah right it goes on to explain uh, the cause of the disease is not a germ, as so many people think, but a vegetable, a vegetable growth that becomes lodged in and immediately beneath the outer tissue of the skin. Mm. Wait, a vegetable growth? It says vegetable. vegetable. Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and it keeps calling it a vegetable growth. I've never heard it called a vegetable growth. I'm sure there's someone out there that's like, oh yeah, totally. But um, this is an advertisement. Sent on a free trial in the back of your comic 
where you can get some relief for your athlete's foot. Mm. Pay nothing until you are relieved. So you get to keep it. And then what happens if you're just like, oh, this didn't work? Oh, I still have my athlete's foot. Yeah. It says, okay, get this statistic on here. Uh, At least 50% of the adult population of the United States are being attacked by the disease known as athlete's foot. But it's a vegetable. (laughs) It's a vegetable that gets lodged in your skin. I don't Mm. just... Okay, something like this makes me feel like this was a 1950s ad. Yeah, that is just something. It sounds like someone's trying to to swindle you and get quick. You know, get rich quick kind of thing. Um, Beware of it spreading. Often the disease travels all over the bottom of the feet. The soles of your feet become red and swollen. The skin also cracks and peels. And itching becomes worse and worse. Get relief from this disease as quickly as possible. Because it is both contagious and infectious. And it may go to your hands or even to the underarm or crotch of the legs. I was just going to say, is that, I mean, are they going to mention the fact that it can travel to your crotch when you put on your underwear? Yep. <laughs> oh, Ooh, Lord. Yeah, so um, all you have to do is cut out this little advertisement, Gore Products, Inc., and send it to um, 610 Garrod Street, New Orleans. Mm. So I wonder if there's still a company. Or if uh, they they ended up with a lawsuit. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? H&F. H&F is what it's called. Um, If you want to look it up. um, Or if you have athletes' foot problems. This might be the the venue for you. The way that you need to go. There you go, listeners. Check it out. Thanks for that. For things that honorable mentioned. I'm sure somebody out there wrote that note down. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Now, uh, what's your honorable mention? Well, you know what? Instead of really doing an honorable mention, I'm pointing out one other issue. An issue that okay. came out last week. Okay. Alterna Comics, Mother Russia, issue number three. So you can still pick it up at your comic book shop. You can even pick it up at Barnes & Noble if you wanted to. Um, the first thing in there, you know, we talked about, you know, the, the uh, Muscle Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, in the, in the back, inside cover... There is a advertise, full-page advertisement for White Mountain Comic Con. And in there, I kid you not, it has a guy of, you know, from like, he took a picture of himself like last week in his little, little uh, Tarzan thong uh, with a fisherman's hat on, holding a long box. And on the box it says Pal Comics, you know, and it's just... It's so funny because it's you can tell it's a current picture, but it's in the classic old age strongman style. Well, that's kind of cool. It was cool. It was really, really cool. But that, to me, was not the important thing that's in this issue. Um, what's really important is if you get right in the middle of the uh, comic, you have this wonderful, beautiful ad in there for the adventures of four guys in a comic podcast i wonder who those guys are i wonder i wonder you know the premier source and comic related topics within the industry and have one of the largest guest lists within the comic podcast we offer up to date info on social media videos on youtube and passionately providing exciting podcasts for enjoyment free on itunes and google play i mean you know it's pretty cool and the actual pictures of uh, the four guys in there uh, drawn out pretty cool so you know if you want to see a really good ad you know check out mother russia number three and there's my self plug for the day very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
We made it into a, a comic book one way or another. Yes. Yeah. But I'm excited. I'm glad that we got to do that. Thanks again, Alterna Comics. If yep. someone from Alterna is listening to us, uh, shout out. Yep. But, um, we have, cool. I think, three more issues that we're going to be out in, too. Very cool. So yes. uh, any of you Alterna fans that are listening out there, be sure to uh, look into it and write Alterna and tell them, wow, this podcast is great. I saw it from your guy. But even though you're already listening, you know. Yeah, you know. Plug us. Just tell, tell them we're great, right? Keep doing it. <laughs> oh. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess that's going to conclude our episode of Four Guys in a Comic oh. with pulling ads or whatever. But don't go far because we do have an interview coming in a few minutes. All right, everybody, welcome back to Four Guys in a Comic. This is the interview section of the podcast, and with us today we have none other than one of my personal, and if Mike was here, he would say his personal favorite Valiant writers, Fred Van Lente. Sir, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. It's a huge honor to be able to speak with you. Awesome. So you have done a lot and lots and lots and lots of different work. Um so, I mean, you've done Incredible Hercules for Marvel. Um, you've done uh, Marvel Zombies, which was fantastic. You've done the Valiant work with Archer and Armstrong and Ivar the Time Walker, um, plus, you know, lots of other stuff. So how did you get started in the world of comic book writing? Um, well, I went to Syracuse University to study uh, film, and I found much to my shock as a 19, 20-year-old that I didn't really like making movies very much. This is before, like, digital uh, photography really became a big deal. And so, like, I didn't like, like, mucking with lights and carrying heavy equipment around and standing around waiting for the light and that kind of stuff. And uh, so I just really wanted to do the story. But fortunately, there were a lot of great guys in our comics club. I joined the comic book club by a bizarre coincidence. I come from the small town in Ohio. But a kid who went to my high school founded the Syracuse University comic book club. And uh, we would do our own comics every year, funded, you know, through the wasted monies of the, uh, of the student government. And uh, I became buddies with guys who were super talented, who were, stud- who were in the illustration department, who were studying to be uh, comic book artists. So I would hanging out with guys like Steve Ellis, um, who I did a bunch of comics with, um, subsequently. And he also does, uh, he did high noon for DC Zuda. He does his comic only living boy, which is currently being published by paper cuts. Yep. He does that with uh, David Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful book. Yep. Yep. And, uh, another guy I went to school with was Ryan Dunlavey, who I do action philosophers with. And soon in February, we'll be doing Action Presidents. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just sort of fell into it, and we all decided to move into the um, uh, city together, New York City, after graduation. And we just kept making comics, and ultimately something I wrote that Steve drew called The Silencers um, 
uh, caught Marvel's eye. And so I, I started writing for them in 2005 or so. And they and the industry has yet to be able to get rid of me. Right? I'm hoping they they never get rid of you. OK, yeah. I've um, I saw your name recently uh, pop up with um, next to Greg Pax on uh, Weapon X. Mm-hmm. And so um, it seems that you uh, you're still keeping quite busy with that. But um, I was curious, how'd you uh, land the role uh, working with uh, Pack on Weapon X? Uh, with Weapon X, that was that was based solely on our past relationship with uh, Incredible Hercules, where I was brought on to help out Greg. He was doing World War Hulk simultaneously, and they wanted to do this book spinning off. Um, World War Hulk, and initially it was going to be the uh, the, the renegades, who were these these heroes who sided with the Hulk. And uh, one of those characters was this, this female scorpion, which I created as my very first Marvel job in the pages of the Amazing Fantasy anthology. So, you know, the the the, the editors there of that of the Hulk office were like working with me. They were trying to figure out ways to you know boost my profile, and so. They put Greg and I together. It turns out Greg and I are, uh, you know, we live in the same city. We became very close friends, and it just worked out personally and professionally. And I think that, you know, once they wanted to get in the, uh, the schedule for Weapon X, they were like, who works well with Greg? Fred does. So here we are. So speaking of Incredible Hercules, um, whose idea was it for the nipple twister? You mean when uh, Thor and Herc are fine? Yes, yes. Yeah. We've we had Riley Brown on before, and he discussed how fun it was to draw. And so right. I'm just curious, whose idea was it to say this is going to be great? Let's put that in there. You know, I I wish I could claim ownership of all the funny stuff in Incredible Hercules, but I think that's Greg's level of comedy. <laughs> so I'm going to have to say it's probably Greg who that put that in that script. Gotcha. Um, I don't think we gave Riley a lot of. So you're saying Riley didn't claim that it was his idea? I don't believe that. I don't know. We've spoke to Riley like a year and a half or so ago now, so I, I don't recall. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, I think it was Greg. I think it was in the script. Yeah, because Greg wrote the first pass of all the, which was sort of fascinating because originally we just wanted to do a Thor story, but the Thor office wouldn't give us Thor, and so we concocted this idiotic story about Hercules dressing up as Thor just kind of to irritate the Thor office. Um, but it ended up being like the most popular story in the, in, in the run of incredible Hercules. And, and Riley of course is a, is a major part of that, but that, that was kind of funny how they first, they wouldn't give us Thor. That's right. Cause they all Marvel always does this. They won't give you a character in the two months and they change their minds and you get the character. So Thor actually ultimately showed up in that storyline, even though the whole reason the storyline exists in the first place, cause they wouldn't give us Thor wouldn't give us Loki, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of these mainstream comic companies that are all, that's just a bunch of turf battles, you know, everybody, if I control, you know, squirrel girl or whatever, no one is getting a squirrel girl without my say so, say so. So, uh, you said that, you know, it's kind of hard going back and forth with these characters on that. Is there any characters within Marvel that you're still petitioning to, uh, write? that you haven't gotten a chance to yet? Yeah, there's, there's really no point in petitioning. They, okay. They decide internally, the editors decide who gets what, and they call you or they don't. There's no, I mean, 
I pitched. I mean, the classic example. This is the second thing I read from Marvel was um, this book called Modox Eleven, which was because I. So as I said before, I, I got hired by Marvel because I d had done a book called The Silencers, the sort of elevator pitch of which was The Sopranos with superpowers. It was this indie book about a bunch of mob enforcers. Superpowered mob enforces a superhero universe have to become independent operators when the mafia family that they work for gets wiped out. Uh, and I'm really proud of it. We did it 14 years ago. Uh, Dark Horse did a beautiful collection, like I think three years ago, of the whole series. It, it, if this sounds like something you'd be into, I would strongly recommend checking out. And so, you know, Mar Marvel hired me on the basis, so I started pitching stuff to them. And, you know, this was in 2005, 2006. And so I pitched Supervillain Team Up, which was this book I loved from the 70s that was mostly Doctor Doom and Submariner concocting schemes and trying to backstab each other. Um, and so I tried to do I tried to do sort of a heist kind of thing um, with Supervillain's Team Up, but they, they were like, can I have Doctor Doom? No. Can I have Sabretooth? No. Can I have Magneto? I don't remember. So I basically asked, like, this is put all the big villains in one book. And have them go on this crazy adventure, and Marvel was like, "No way." Weirdly, though, the only villain on my list of asks that they gave me was Modok, <laughs> you know, the big head dude, yeah, with the little body. And so I was like, "Okay." Then I just retooled the whole pitch. I'm like, "Fine, if you won't give me the A-list villains, give me the Z-list villains." So I repitched it as this heist story where Modoc leads a bunch of loser supervillains on this crazy heist. Uh, and for whatever reason, they're like, okay, let's do that. And I think that was the last time I actually pitched something at Marvel. I guess it's not totally true. I pitched X-Men Noir. But X-Men Noir was originally a revival of the old Golden Age character Angel and went to a book called Marvel Mystery Comics. That was Marvel's original title, you know, where Submariner and, and Human Torch appeared for the first time. But they were like, ah, eh, this doesn't seem very commercial, but what if you put the X-Men in it? And that's sort of how X-Men Noir came about. So, so you pitch stuff. So even if you have this bucket list of like, oh, I really want to write, I don't know, Deathlock, right? I really want to do Deathlock. They're, they're rarely going to ever give you Deathlock. They're going to say, don't do Deathlock, do siege that's a deep cut <laughs> deep death black cut but it's the first thing that popped in my head you know what i mean like they're gonna they're gonna say okay don't do the, your your fantastic four story instead can you take it and do it with power pack you know what i mean they're gonna they're gonna try to uh it's never gonna be what you pitch i mean largely it's because you don't unlike them you don't know there's two or three dozen writers in any given moment pitching everything and so you don't know and there's stuff greenlit that you don't know about because that's been announced to the general public. So it's very hard to get something greenlit there if your whole basis is, I've spent my whole life wanting to write a, th a Hulk versus Thing story. You know what I mean? So you end up getting, well, can it be Juggernaut and uh, Sasquatch? And you're like, um, those, that's, those are two totally different characters. But okay, I'll, tr you know, I'll try to make it work. And so that's kind of how the whole pitching process happens over there. You know, once you get acclimated to it, it's very hard to be like, I really want to write, you know, X or whatever. I can, I can guarantee you the 
the least likely scenario in which you will write X-Force is one in which you actually tell them you want to write X-Force. That, that has to be their idea. Okay. So, you know, we're talking a little bit now about your early work within jumping into the comic world and stuff. Uh, let's go back to when you were a kid. Um, when you were a kid, did you read comics? Were there any that uh, kind of stood out to you and uh, maybe, I guess, uh, molded you to keep going on in life? Was there any impact from comics as a kid? Oh, yeah. I mean, my parents got me the, I mean, I grew up in the 70s. And so my parents got me the paperback reprints, the paper, excuse me, the, the paperback pocket books reprints of all the uh, original Kirby and Marvel stuff, like Amazing Spider-Man and, and Hulk and um, Fantastic Four. And then, you know, Marvel in those days was still reprinting all, I mean, they never let the Kirby stuff go out of print. So I bought, like, for some reason I really loved, um, I'm completely blanking on what the action name of the comic was, but they, they reprinted the Lee Kirby X-Men. So I remember reading the, the really being into the Lee Kirby X Men, and I got really annoyed when the Wolverine Storm Colossus, when I learned of their existence, I was like, "Where are the guys in the you know, the yellow and blue Union suits?" You know, that's what I was into. So, you know, so when you get stuff, so I was reading stuff that was already fifteen years old by the time I got it. You know, so I think that definitely shaped my sensibilities as being somewhat more retro than maybe people who grew up and their first contact with it was, you know, with the Claremont Burn X-Men or New Teen Titans or, you know, Bendis or whatever was their touchstone. My touchstone was already old by the time I got it. But I was five. Like, I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know any better. It just kind of imprinted right on me. Was it something that you always kept up with, or was there a period in your life, maybe as a teenager or something, where you stopped reading comics, or has it always just been a constant? I mean, I've always read comics. I, I mean, I, you know, this is, God knows, maybe I shouldn't be admitting this in a podcast. I mean, I haven't, I haven't followed superhero comics since like the nineties. I, I certainly haven't followed it since I've become a professional. Um. Primarily because it's, it you know, I mean, the cliche is, is once you work in the sausage family, the last thing you want to eat when you come home is a hot dog, you know. But I do read a lot of indie creators. I read a lot of graphic novels. I try to get, I try to read a lot of manga. Um, I read a lot of comics. What I don't do is I don't go to the, you know, I mean, the other, frankly, the other, the other challenge for, for being somebody who goes to the store every Wednesday is that when you do this job, you just get a lot of comics. Like people just give you comics and you have to read comics to pitch. I mean, I, 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 I enjoy quite a bit, but like this week I might pitch on a super big property, which I'm super excited about, but I'm not that familiar with what that company has done with it. So I'm rereading a mound of this character's comics that I, I, I don't, I've never really been exposed before. So the, the professional aspect of it kind of pushes the fan part out. Like, you know, I'm still a huge fan of comics. I'm just not necessarily locked into the Wednesday-to-Wednesday Wednesday medium uh, the way a lot of fans are. You know what I'm saying? Very understandable. Plus, it gets expensive nowadays. Uh, it, That's true. Well, again, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I'm not to, like, be like, hey, look at me. But I mean, I get it most of it for free. So yeah. it's not a <laughs> <huge> problem. <laughs> but it ends up like, being a chore. Yeah. yeah like, what are the Mets doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Patriots are playing. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. 
So what is the future going on? What do you got? What do you got in the works right now? Um, a lot of fun stuff. Um, I just had a novel come out called uh, Ten Dead Comedians. That's a murder mystery with stand-up comedians. It's a lot of fun. That came out in July. And then my next novel, my next mystery novel is coming out uh, in next July. It's called The Con Artist. And it's set during San Diego Comic-Con in the comic book industry. So that'll be that'll be fun. Oh, so con artists is in, uh, we're going to be reading about uh, people at the co- um, convention? Exactly. Oh, so, that could be interesting. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fun. And so with, there could be a lot of illustrations. Like the, the hero is a penciler of comics. So like... We're gonna have illustrations from like a sketchbook in it. It should be super cool. Hmm, that sounds like uh, really fun. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. Um, the aforementioned Mr. Ryan Dunleavy and I keep our collaboration going strong. Uh, this year saw the re-release in color of our book, The Comic Book History of Comics. Mm-hmm. Part one came out in August. That covers basically the Yellow Kid through our Crumb and the Underground comics. And starting in December, a new series is starting that picks up the story where it left off and deals with the fight for creators' rights, um, you know, the British invasion of the 80s, uh, web comics. Uh, we, we expand the focus of the series beyond the United States and North America, and we look at um, British comics, French comics, and, of course, manga. Uh, and then the project we've been working on for many, many years um is coming out in february very excited about that that's action presidents all the jokes are fake all the history is real uh it's sort of an irreverent look at uh abraham lincoln and george washington and some of the the famous presidents of the united states and those will be individually bound as 110 page hardback original graphic novels that's pretty cool and that's come from harper collins uh in yeah, there's there's a there's packed ton of jokes right there <laughs> please tell me about it yeah no it's very cool it's very exciting and uh i think i'm still co-writing weapon x with greg i think <laughs> you're told different right <laughs> yeah I, I i've been told i am but i you know i don't i, I think i am anyway our run comes to a close sh- the 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 weapon h run comes to a close shortly we just put the last issue of that arc to bed last week. Uh, and obviously I'm still, you know, continuing my, my terrific collaboration with Valiant. Um, War Mother is coming out. And I'm very pleased with the reaction to that. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with that book. Uh, and I've just started a new book for them that's coming out in February. Uh, and I'm returning. Uh, it's the first time, really, I've returned to characters that I spent years on writing and now spent years away from. And now coming back to it is, a, is sort of a terrific feeling. It's very cool. It's a high school reunion if you liked going to high school. <laughs> yeah, if you don't like going to high school, you don't want to go to your reunion. Right. Yeah. So how did you get involved with Valiant to begin with? Because, I mean, they had their big reboot in 2012, and you came on right out the gate with Archer and Armstrong. Um, so kind of how did you get involved with that? Well, this is a funny story I never get tired of telling. I mean, they, the, they came up to me at my table at New York Comic Con, in 2011, and they said, hey, how would you like to write Archer Armstrong? I'm like, sure, that would be awesome. And then that night I went home and I Googled Archer Armstrong because I knew what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I live my life by what I like to call the Ghostbusters rule. If somebody asks you if you're a god, say yes. Yeah. It's never failed. Well, it's mostly never failed me. Anyway, <laughs> so I, Wikipedia article of 
Archer Armstrong, which I think is the still, I, I have not gone back in a while, but it's this, I think it's still the exact same Wikipedia article, reads like the psychotic ramblings of a, you know, guy you find, you'd find with no pants on ranting on the sidewalk on your local city. And I was like, okay, this is crazy enough for me to actually do. And uh, Warren Ellis, uh, the, the editor-in-chief there, handed me the, the original Barry Windsor Smith comics. And he said they had aged like a fine wine, and he was 100% correct. And so we went, Warren and I went back and forth, and so the book came out. And, was, and, and oh, and I should say, the reason they picked me to do it was because the, the folks over there really enjoyed Incredible Hercules. And the funny story over that was that I was at Marvel not long after Valiant um, launched, and I was talking to Tom Brevoort, or maybe someone was telling me that Tom Brevoort told him this. But anyway, Tom Brevoort is the executive editor at Marvel. When they were talking about doing Incredible Hercules in the editorial Marvel, and I'd never heard this before. And this is, you know, the first issue of Incredible Hercules came out, I think, in 2007. So this would have been like, you know, six years, seven years after the fact. I'm hearing this story. People were wondering whether or not you could do a book with Hercules Zombie as Cho, but Tom Brevoort said in the room, he's like, yeah, no, it'll work perfectly. It'll be just like Archer and Armstrong. <laughs> so, the whole, whole, so the whole way Incredible Hercules got sold was in reference to Archer and Armstrong, a comic book I'd never heard of until I was asked to write it because I wrote Incredible Hercules. Nice. So wrap your brains around that one. Yeah, yeah no. And I was going to say, Archer and Armstrong was absolutely amazing, too. Um, I'm a hardcover collector, and uh, I don't know how if you're aware of this or not, but Volume 1 of Archer and Armstrong is still one of the more sought-after hardcovers from Valiant. It's out of print. Yeah. The only way to find it is by usually paying an ungodly amount of money for it, and there's a lot of people I know that have been paying a lot of money for that book, so... Yeah, I think they've. Uh, I think they're going to wait until the volume two. The last I heard, which was a while ago, like a year ago, I think quite when I think that's about how long volume one has been out of print. But I think that they were going to wait. I think they might do a whole omnibus, the whole run. Once that two. would be epic. I would love that. I know we've all asked Dinesh in the past if he was ever going to do omnis because they do like those, you know, those deluxes. And right. uh, then they've done like the old Omnis, but we said, you know, are you guys going to do any new Omnis? And it's, it's always been very cryptic answers. So who knows? But um, yeah, no, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing run. I've never laughed so hard reading a book. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I truly, truly, truly loved it. And that's actually what made me fall in love with the Valiant universe was your Archer and Armstrong run. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know I finished picking up all those single issues of, like a week, week and a half ago. And it's just, it's amazing how difficult some of those could be to find in a comic book shop, but when you find them, you know, they're not that expensive. <laughs> right? That's half the fun, man. I, mean, I know. The hunt, you know? It, I love the chase. Love it. Yeah. You know, 25 That's... issues. It wasn't, you know, it's like, it's not that bar hard of a chase, but it's fun. Right. So, um, you know, you got your hands, it seems like, in multiple, multiple different projects. Do you ever find it difficult jumping from, like, say, Valiant back to Marvel, from Marvel, so on and so forth? Do you ever get, I don't know, does it ever feel, like, overwhelming? Not really. In fact, I find it very refreshing. Like, I think it's really the, because they're so different, it makes it, evil to, it, makes it easy to toggle in between the two of them. Like, if I get frustrated in one... I can jump off another. I mean, the way I work generally is I work on one project before lunch and one project after lunch. 
uh, and so that that or a different one. I mean, so that tends to be very helpful. Um, I like it. I don't know. I I read a lot. I have I think way too much probably. So I just like to keep busy. You know, keeps the, it keeps the demons at bay. Easy to good. <laughs> Idle hands. <laughs> But I, I got to say, I had to circle back real quick. You mentioned something about a book, uh, Ten Dead Comedians. I was uh -huh. just curious, is that, I haven't read it, so I'm not familiar with it, but is that anything like the Agatha Christie? Is that a twist on her work? It is, yeah. It's, okay. It's, it's, uh, Agatha Christie wrote her most famous novel, and really one of the most famous novels and best-selling novels of all time, was called, mm -hmm. uh, uh, its American release was called And Then There Were None. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a bunch of people stuck on, on a, Iceland Island, everyone starts getting knocked off. Yeah. One of my favorite murder mystery books. It really yeah, is. Yeah, and yeah. when you said that, I was kind of like, wait a minute here. I got to ask that question. Yeah, that's what that's nothing what the publisher wants you to think. So that's yeah. uh, well done. Well Good. done. Exactly Good. the marketing hook. Um, except instead of sort of stiff lip, uh, uh, stiff upper lip British types in, in, in my book, it's various kinds of stand-up comics. You have a prop comic and a late night host and you have a you have a uh, like an insult comic, and so it, they all start getting knocked off, and it, it, it becomes increasingly obvious that one of them is the person that did. So mm -hmm. they've got to figure out who it is before they all get killed. It's very that's funny great. and very gory and violent. Okay. I'll be honest; I, I, that's one I really would like to check out. Where can uh, where can our listeners uh, find that? Uh, anywhere books are sold. Uh, we have an excellent Audible uh, audiobook of it. If you, if audiobooks are your jam. Uh, it's on Amazon, iBooks, and BN.com, and it's in, in bookstores all over our fine, our fine land. Uh, and, of course, you can get it from Amazon. Sweet. I think I'm going to have to get that one. Please do. Okay, cool. Very cool. So, um, you know, coming up here, still talking about the future a little bit, um, do, you, are you, do you have any Comic-Cons you plan to att be attending here coming up or um, maybe something next year that you have planned real big? Well, for your, your many French listeners, uh, in two days, I will be flying to Paris Comic Con. Ooh, wee oui, wee. Oui. I'm excited about for, for the uh, for Bliss, who are the people who, who produce the absolutely uh, beautiful, not to slag on America Valiant, but the French Valiant editions are beautiful and amazing. Uh, and ironically, you know, I just found out one of their guys was at New York Comic Con a couple weeks ago. Um, and they bought, they have just sold out of Archer Armstrong in France. So they're a little frustrated because they were hoping to have me sign a bunch of Archer Armstrongs. Or for them to sell a bunch of Archer Armstrongs. Uh, except they're not for me to, to sell and sign but that's you know that's one of those you know kind of good problems i guess well it sounds like it's a it's an opportunity it's an opportunity for you to you pack a bunch into your suitcase they're available for sale and to be signed i don't have any either like, i'm just as, I'm, I'm as much out of luck as anybody else uh it's an opportunity to move ivar time walker the french edition i think which which came out fairly recently and is also beautiful it's not sold out yet so we'll just we'll just push that on everybody there you go. Uh, so I'm going to Paris uh, because I'm a fancy pants. Uh, and then I'm going to Iowa in December. Um, let me see if I can't call up the name of that. It's in Cedar Rapids. Okay. 
Valiant fans in Cedar Rapids are having me come out there. Going is how much I love Valiant fans. I'm going to go to Iowa in December. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, that's kind of it. What? No Virginia dates? No Virginia. No Virginia dates. Tell them to invite me. You need to get on it. You yeah, know you guys are. I will, you know. Yeah. I will spend a million dollars at your convention if Mr. Fred Van Lente goes to Virginia. Where in Virginia? Um, over in the uh, Hampton area. Oh, I can't legally go there. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Man, that my photos <laughs> in every convenience store like do not accept checks from this man. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I I know the guys out there. I'll I'll, I'll throw the name out and see what we can do. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I'll definitely meet San Diego next year promoting the San Diego book because I'm a whore. Yeah, thing you have to do. <laughs> the money maker. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of like I'm I'm kind of dialing back quite a bit on the shows. Um, but. Uh, also, you know, you asked me like October is a weird like um, like black hole for like like in the next couple months. The tw- so there's no more 2017 shows except for right. Paris and Cedar Rapids, two cities that have a lot in common. Uh, but they have not entirely locked down everybody for 2018 yet. So, like, no one, you know, what I mean, like, nobody's gonna ask me for a month whether or not I want right. to go to Denver or something. You know what I mean? Because they haven't. The planning stages are still kind of, you know, right. gearing up there. No, definitely. I am. Um, it's always like you said. It's always weird in this little like uh, little stretch, and then all of a sudden, you know, February hits and everything starts rolling really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to ask when we start seeing you do some EXO. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like EXO. I, I did that story with uh, Neela Timewalker in yeah. Activity, and that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that would be fun. I would like to do XO. But that's up yeah, to discussion yeah. Warren, you know. We'll start a petition. Yeah, all right. We're going to start. You're going to see it all over Twitter now. Again, <laughs> um, it, it literally means more if it comes from you guys than it does from me. Right. That's cool. Awesome. Well, hey, man, um, I guess we're going to go ahead and start uh, wrapping this up. Is there anything uh, you want to promote or anything you want to say before we uh, start saying our goodbyes? I, I, I think you guys covered it. Very much looking forward to... Uh, having you guys hear about what this thing that we're currently cooking for Valiant is, it should be solicited for February. So you actually should be hearing about it very soon. Oh, well, we might as well talk about it now. (laughs) (laughs) I literally started writing it on Friday. So it's a little, the dough is a little soft. Getting into it there. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. And uh, once it pops up and everything, um, I'm sure we're gonna have to bring you back on later on, so we can actually Love find that. out more details about everything that's going on with it. Absolutely, awesome. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, always sure. welcome back, and um, give a good night, brother. Thank God. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.